Listen to the word of God in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. May God bless the reading of his word. I was thinking this past week about rescues and um, how rescues come in a lot of forms. But sometimes when people are rescued, they have to be rescued only one way. Such was the case with a single mother of four from Colorado uh, named Kristen Hopkins. Back in April, Hopkins went missing for six days without notice or without any trace Then, while riding along on a highway in Colorado, a random driver named Andy Lombard noticed something off the side of a road and down below the road in the embankment. He and his wife stopped the car and climbed out of the car, and he climbed down the embankment only to find an upside-down car in the aspen trees. And that car had Kristen Hopkins in it. When he got to the car, the, the wreckage was so bad he was sure the person in it was dead. So he called the first responders. And they began the process of getting Kristen out of the car when one of them yelled, She's alive! After, after six days, sure enough, she was badly wounded, but she was still alive. At this point, there was only one way to rescue her, the jaws of life. And sure enough, after a lot of work, getting her out of the car, out of the tree, and with great care from doctors, Kristen Hopkins survived and lived to tell about a six-day wait in the cold, frigid Colorado mountains waiting for a rescue. You know, there are a lot of ways to rescue someone from an automobile accident, among other things. But one must wonder, how many ways does it take to rescue a person from their brokenness and sin? According to Christianity, 
according to Scripture, there is only one way to rescue people. And John 1, 14 is all about that rescue. God's version of the jaws of life for broken people in a, in a broken world shows up really in one verse. In fact, this is the Christmas verse of John here in verse 14 of our text that we're working out of. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Three real brief things are said in this text about how God sent His Son to carry out a divine rescue mission for broken sinners like you and, for me, and like me. And the first is this. It says the Word became flesh. This tells us what God did in His divine rescue plan. Now, the whole first chapter of John begins with this language of, uh, of the Word uh, be, becoming flesh. That is, the Word being Christ. Jesus, it goes on to say, is the Lord who speaks, who is a living God, who actually engages us personally with words, words that not only create and created the whole world, but words that change lives. Jesus, as it says in John 1, is also the word that is light. Uh, all that is good, all that is true, all that is right in life is found in him as the light. And most of all, in John 1, it says that the word is God. Put it this way, Jesus is God. Now, that's a pretty radical statement in our time. We all like Jesus as the great teacher, the great moral example. But here it's more. It's Jesus is God in the flesh. The Word become flesh. God become a man. And that's what happened that first Christmas night. The one that we've been singing about. Where God entered time and space, our world, in a very personal way. And he was born, of all things, to a poor teenage couple, lower middle class, with dirt under their fingernails, in an obscure place called Bethlehem, in Judea, in the Middle East. Think about that. Think about that for a second. As, as, as is said uh, in, by one great author, if God comes to our world and is willing to stoop to that level, the God of the universe, mind you, there really is nothing he won't do to reach out and save us, isn't there? There's nothing he wouldn't do to take care of us. Now, this is not what we would expect from a God in our age. When it comes to rescue plans, we want the strong God. We want the God who uh, can pull things off for us in an unusual way. And you have to know that in history, there have been other gods with sort of rescue plans in dealing with men, although none go to the great extent of becoming a man. For example, some kind of gods are distant gods. The God would never enter into our world in a personal manner. It's too below him. Uh, and he's so distant that he even seems angry. 
That, of course, would be, if I, if I may suggest, the Muslim God, who is big but never close. Maybe that's why the Muslims get so angry in some cases. To be fair to them. Maybe that's why some of us prefer the distant God who never engages us. Because we can have life on our own terms that way. We can actually have a God who never interrupts or asks too much of us in life. The problem with that, of course, is the distant God leaves us in a very lonely place. There is another kind of God uh, that shows up in the world and the myriad of gods in history. It's the exacting God. The exacting God might engage us with a, res- with a rescue, but only when we do certain things, when we perform religiously a certain way. Some of us admittedly prefer the exacting God as he gives us a sense of control and predictability. If I do this for God, then he'll respond this way, right? But the problem with that is we realize once we get into the exacting God that it's never enough. The more you do for God, the more there is, and it never, ever stops. The third kind of God in history that has tried to maybe rescue us, is the one who actually can become a man. That's right. There are other religions where a god becomes a man. You can think of the Hindu avatars. You can think of even the Greek god Heracles. But you know what the problem is with these gods as you analyze them? Is they always want something. They come into the world with a hook. They'll do for you But they want something back. They always are trying to get more from you. It feels like bait and switch. In the end, none of these gods are big enough to rescue us. And we end up trying to do all the work when we realize we're not enough to rescue ourselves. We're stuck, if you will, in that car in the aspen tree with Kristen Hopkins. But here's the difference with Christianity. The Christian God is very different. The Bible says that Jesus is the Word become flesh, and He dwelled among us. Jesus, the eternal Son of God who existed before the world began, as we understand it as Christians, actually was in the presence of God in heaven and left it. Left those glories to enter into our world. Think about that. We all want to escape our world sometimes, don't we? That's why we engage in a lot of media. It's why we uh, do things and get busy with activities so we don't have to feel the pain sometimes. I understand that. I struggle with it too sometimes. Well, this Christ that the Scripture talks about doesn't just run from the pain. He actually runs into it pursues us in the midst of that. He does the opposite of what you expect. He leaves the perfect peace of heaven to enter a world full of war. He left the perfect health of heaven 
to enter a world with disease. And not only that, he even reached out to people, lepers in his time, who were the Ebola patients of his time. Jesus left the Father, who in his presence was perfectly holy without a hint of sin, to be with sinners, like in that time tax collectors, or yes, even prostitutes, porn queens. Jesus, the perfect holy Christ, did that to enter into our world. Jesus even hung around and this is good news for many of us religious people whose halos were so tight that they forgot the point of true Christianity to know God personally and to live for Him in a life that is radically different than anything we're used to. Jesus stepped into this world for 33 years. <laughs> That's amazing to me. See, if I was the Christ... And I had to rescue somebody. I'd just kind of drop in like an EMT. Drop in, help them out the one time, I'm out of there. Get the job done. But Christ is an EMT. Christ isn't even in our lives a vacation and fam family member who comes in for a few days, hangs out, helps out, then has to leave, go back home. No, Jesus came into our world and hung out with us for 33 years. He gave of himself in such a way that he encountered conflict, pain, and he faced down every temptation himself that we face. He experienced it yet without sin, is what Hebrews says. And then he went to the utmost end. He rescued us. He gave himself for us. He died on a cross for all of us stuck in our sin, in our darkness, to satisfy God's wrath. This is the divine rescue plan. Jesus takes our place at the cross. That's why he was born. For all the guilt we feel, for all the pain we feel in this life, wondering when will it go away, Jesus bled that day for it. That day on a Roman gibbet. Jesus died for the man addicted to porn. Jesus died for the couple whose marriage feels dead. Jesus died for the lonely uh, single or the lonely widow or widower. He died for the man whose cancer feel, or whose career rather feels like a dead end. And he even died for the religious person lost in the rules without a real relationship. This was the only way to rescue us. He had to become one of us and take our place. This is God's version of the jaws of life. Christ is the only one, the only God in the pantheon of gods in history, the ones you hear about now and the ones to come who dwells among us. I realize there are skeptics, and I have skepticism in my heart too. And I know there are some of us who are so busy and even preoccupied with Christmas. It's like, I don't have time to think about this stuff. 
I understand that one too. But you know what the last part of this John 1.14 says? It says this interesting thing. John himself says, we have seen him and his glory as the only God who dwells with us. You know what that's John's way of saying? He's saying, look, in a world with all kinds of religious options, we were personal eyewitnesses to his life, his death, and his resurrection. He's alive. John is saying to us, if you want to be rescued, there's one who's big enough to get the job done and personal enough to engage you with life. Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, who lived in our world and unlike any God, dwelled among us, beginning with being born as a child. This is true. This is history. And it changes everything according to all that John goes on to say the rest of this book. It changes how we think. It changes how we feel. It changes how we act. Because if Christ is really alive, and it all began with that uh, virgin birth back in that first Christmas night, oh my goodness, we're not alone. Oh my, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death because when God says, I am with you, He really is. The question for us tonight is simply this. It was Christ who reached into our world 2,000 years ago by becoming one of us. And even for Christians, offers the Holy Spirit's presence even now. The question is, will we reach back? When you lay down tonight and sleep, ask yourself this question, who is my rescuer? When I come to the end of myself, when I know that I really don't have enough in me, I'm broken, and yes, my sin is very real and acute in my mind, though I try my best to forget it, who is your rescuer? Let me ask it another way. Who will dwell with you forever? This past summer, Taylor Crafton graduated from high school in a Grand Forks, North Dakota. It was a tough time for her leading up to her graduation. You see, Taylor's dad, Chief Master Sergeant Chris Crafton, had been deployed to Cuba for her whole senior year. In memory of him, the whole year, she carried around a life-sized a cardboard picture of her father and called him Flat Daddy. She so wanted her dad to be a part of her life at that time that she took him the cardboard likeness to her prom, to other big senior events, and yes, was even at, in May, her graduation. At the graduation, a surprise took place. The principal called her out in front of the crowd to stand with the flat daddy image of her father, a Sergeant Chris Crafton. As she stood beside uh, the flat daddy, she wept uncontrollably. Her mother, 
wondered silently why her principal would do this to her. And then it happened. Out of the blue, the principal pulled away the flat daddy and outran Sergeant Chris Crafton personally. And he embraced his weeping daughter. The entire family was surprised. And of course, to the joy of all of the kids in the school, it was a wonderful sight to see this reunion a father and daughter. It's such a crucial moment. Sometimes I think we look to flat daddies as cheap imitations of God's in our lives. When God has run into our world with Christ and embraced us personally. What God is like that? What God has loved you so deeply. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that as we can think out loud about this whole business of Jesus becoming a man, the Word becoming flesh, we're thrilled at the thought of you running into our lives personally in the person of Christ. And that Jesus, you're even here tonight in the power of the Spirit, and you want to be in relationship with us. There is no God like this in the world. There is no God who wants to embrace us and relate to us and live in a lifelong, relation, uh, eternal relationship with us. We celebrate who you are, Lord. And thank you that you gave yourself for us. Give us the courage to give ourselves back to you in faith. It's in Christ's name. As the ushers come forward, we're come to the end of our service. As we, uh, I would ask you to gather your candle. We're going to finish with the last song, Silent Night. As we sing together, we're going to light our candles with each other, led by the ushers. And as they light your candles, be careful as you pass it on to one another. But also consider the symbolism. Uh, our text said that Jesus is the light. That means there is no other light, according to Christianity. He has proven to be the one true light who not only gave us life at the cross, but is alive as a living Lord through the resurrection. As you lift up the light, ask yourself, who's my rescuer? Who's the one who saves me in every circumstance, even for eternity? Let's sing to that Christ, that silent night.
Round yon virgin mother and child Holy infant so tender and mild Sleep in heavenly peace Sleep in Oh 